welcome back to Spinal Tap Minute. We are at episode 35, aka Minute 35 of the podcast, where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5minutesofmime.com. And joining us once again, our special guests to close out the week on Friday are Jenny and Mike of the Whole Shebang Podcast. Welcome back, folks. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hi. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Sean. I'm excited. I'm just saying about we're, this we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're excited <laughs> that, uh, that you've been able to close out the week with us. That, uh, this is exciting. Yeah, we've had some really great minutes, and I think this is going to be a good one as well. Yeah. Hope so. And that one we're talking about is Minute 35 of the movie This Is Spinal Tap. Minute 35 picks up where we left off yesterday with the Give Me Some Money sound check in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We end with Ian running in saying, here it is, here it is, lads. And in between, we see uh, we get some roadies assembling a demon in the background. <laughs> Janine shows us up, surprises David. And uh, and maybe Nigel isn't so happy about that situation. <laughs> one of those things you're not going to notice maybe the first time you watch the movie but you're watching minute by minute like this you're like ooh, there's the beginnings of trouble in paradise <laughs> for indeed. sure indeed so yeah so i and, and heidi kind of started to touch on this the end of the the episode yesterday of i don't know if it rises to the level of continuity error or just inefficient roadies but <laughs> i think this is like the third time we see someone trying to place that horn on that team <laughs> is that, that's gonna be moke right the um the the uh, stage guy right uh trying to put together he he has yeah. a lot of problems he tries hard though yeah yeah, I yeah think so we it, the it may just be that he's never been able to successfully get it assembled and that's why we just see it keep going and going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like kind of getting the behind the scenes though. We get this that huge talk about shank hall. This is kind of a big shank of a stick that he's mm-hmm. sticking <laughs> well, out of get, that it's, horn. It's hard to get the perspective when it's you know, we've seen it during performance where it's suspended over the stage, but here we see I mean, even without the horns, it's it's about as tall as Derek is. It's yeah. a pretty big head. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of um, Eddie from the Iron Maiden oh, like, stage kit. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's probably a homage to Eddie there. <laughs> Definitely. He used to sort of swoop down over the stage, didn't he, in his giant skeleton puppet yeah. arm? Yeah. And I guess he, uh, being the mascot of the band, he started off on the album covers. Um, right. Yeah. I think that this is just more sort of a generic demon skull. I, I, I kind of like to think he's part of the mythology. He probably has a name. Could be, yeah. yeah. During during their occult sort of Stonehenge uh, sort of demony period, probably. Yeah. Well, Maybe. I'm sure them moving it around and bringing it with them, they I've, they've got to call it some name. I'm sure they have. <laughs> yeah, they probably have this it. really mystical kind of name for him, and the roadies probably have some really derogatory <laughs> name because they have to like this big bastard about and screw stupid fucking horns on every night. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So yeah, we're um, we're finishing up. Well, we're in the middle of the sound check here, and everybody's doing what you do for sound check, trying to get the sound just right, getting that ear plugged, getting the. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely done this a lot in my in my travels. You know, trying to 
battle the combination of getting certain things in the monitors and getting them leveled out so that when you come back later and the house is full, you can put on a good show and not be distracted by going, I can't hear so-and-so in the monitor. (laughs) It's it's kind of cool that Spinal Tap are doing their own sound check because, I mean, I've been to most of the gigs I've been to recently that have been like big, like the band haven't bothered to do their own sound check. (laughs) They have a roadie come out and check everything and shout to the microphone. Yeah, they usually do one before. For, like like the sound check right before they go on is usually the roadies, but the one in the earlier in the afternoon uh, usually them. they do a lot, yeah. they'll do like one song or something like that. Oh, well, now you've ruined the mystique. Mm-hmm. I like to picture them all asleep <laughs> in a hotel, and kind of just ladled onto stage and rushing ready to go. Yeah. yeah, Nigel wants his volume up. I think that's even be, <laughs> even before we get to Janine coming in. Nigel, you know, he doesn't want to play second fiddle to David on the vocal mm-hmm. side of things. You know, literally. Yeah, well, and I noticed there's. David says something. It's it kind of. I didn't say it was the end of minute thirty-four. I was going to wait to till Nigel's little moment to say anything, but he says something. Um, it's not a lyric, I, and I think he's saying "turn me up" or "turn it up." Yeah. yeah. And then Nigel's giving him the thumbs up, like they they both want to be louder than the other one. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. Nigel's giving the. The turn it up, thumbs up. That's some good guitar face from David too, which you know, again, we've talked about Nigel's faces, mm-hmm. but yeah, David's given some good. Uh, yeah, he yeah. is. <laughs> he's, more, he's yeah. more of a grimacer than a powder. Like but <laughs> Nigel does the pouting, and and David does the. Oh, this guitar's so painful, I can hardly. <laughs> yeah. <stand it."> yeah. <laughs> well, and they get you know that they're they're getting a little funky with, with yeah. this version. I can almost imagine a little, uh, you know, Spinal Tap unplugged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, why didn't they do that in the early 90s when they are having their comeback? That would have been such a good parody. Oh, God, that would have been great. Well, they kind of yeah. well, they, they did that, but it was uh, it became the folksman. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so they, yeah. they went all the way and said, oh, if we're going to unplug, we'll go all the way. And they ended up doing folk music. But yeah, I could I could see a little Spinal Tap unplugged. I would yeah. I would check that out. Isn't it true in that early 90s tour that they had the folksman like, you know, open up for them and some of the people didn't get it? Yes. Yeah. Who are these? Who are these old folkies on stage <laughs> opening up for Spinal Tap? Um, yeah, we actually had um, Alex Robinson of Star Wars Minute on, and he got to see them live. And the folksmen were the opening act, so oh, that's awesome. he got to experience <laughs> it. And he said, "Yeah, it was like a kind of a slow reveal for some, like for him, <laughs> and for others, they never really, uh, you know, see." He, he said it seemed like some people never really thought that it was them. So well, yeah, before a mighty wind, nobody would have, I mean, unless they had seen them on, on Saturday night live or any of their other appearances as the folksmen. Yeah. They wouldn't yeah. have necessarily known that it's a, you know, again, it's the commitment to the bit is what makes Spinal tap. So great on every level. It's sort of like, like Jenny was talking about yesterday with the whole sort of like developing these huge backgrounds for all of the characters and everything. Like mm-hmm. that's, I mean, when you do improv like this, you have to have that kind of Bible, of you know all what, what are all what where does this character come from what kind of background did they have you know that kind of thing yeah. yeah so well I can't deny it anymore I'm dying to get this hello darling <laughs> hello I mean her introduction is creepy <laughs> it's yeah. like uh you know a fog coming over the the, the the relationships on stage and the interaction, yeah. the thing that they're all used to doing every single night. Just yeah. this, the bromance is completely shattered. And... 
Well, you're right. She's 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 trying to you know she's trying to be theatrical in her interruption. She's being insistent about it. Of course, David is thrilled. Yeah. Um, rushes down to embrace her. Janine is. Can we talk about Jenny? Can we have a Jenny's fashion corner on on Janine's uh, uh, sort of Stevie <laughs> Nicks meets country western kind of uh, kind of look here? Yeah, it's it's very peculiar costume, isn't it? She kind of looks like a sort of disco puritan. She has this kind of like <laughs> sort of black and white sort of satin little house on the prairie kind of thing going on. But I really like the um the touch of all her turquoise jewelry because it completely ties in with her kind of zodiac hippie kind of yes. yeah, yeah personality. With being kind of hard of nails underneath. I, I mean, I have to say this is one of the minutes I was really excited to do because I love um, the sort of trope of rock and roll wives. It's one of my uh, favorite things to talk about. <laughs> and um, I think Janine channels so many of the great ones. So I have this theory about wives and rock that you can split them all into like three groups. And it's like the classic mm. sort of um, maiden mother crone. So your, your maiden is the people like sort of Patty Boy, the kind of like young sort of wide-eyed model girlfriend. Then you have the mothers who are people like Cynthia Lennon, who are kind of like the wholesome ones who sort of stay at home and raise the little rock babies and stay in the mm. background. But then mm-hmm. the best ones of all are the crones. And these are going to be people like your Angie Bowies, your Courtney Loves, your Yoko Onos, who kind of, um, they have their own thing. They're really sort of strong women. They're hated by the fans. And they hmm. kind of, in the sort of eyes of the rest of the band, they have the rock star by the balls. Right. Which I find, I don't like that trope. I find it kind of sexist, but um, I but love the power a, is there. I love a good crone, and I think Janine is definitely a good crone. She is. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and 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 I, <laughs> I love all of what you just said. It's, it's great. <laughs> I, I have really no other comment except that. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I guess I think of. Um, I've definitely met and been around rock you know rock and roll wives where they're that you kind of yeah you have different relationships with ones depending on kind of the roles that they they play and, yeah and, and sometimes it's just a getting used to oh you're a strong woman too and that's cool and let's you know yeah but it's kind of the just... idea of like if you have like the the strong like i mean angie bowie we talked about her a lot during our podcast i think she's the the big one who sort of people think of as the evil rock wife and she was I think Janine is definitely based a lot on her because of the way she sort of guided David Bowie early in his career. She'd pick out his outfit. She styled his hair. She kind of like dragged him into the whole sort of like sort of gender bending, like glam Mm. look. She kind of engineered all that and he just kind of fell in with it. And I think this is maybe like we're going to discover, I guess, as the movie goes on, this is kind of what Janine's trying to do with Spinal Tap, whether they want to or not. Yeah. And that's, I think, where her she actually is evil as opposed to someone like Yoko Ono, (laughs) who's just a bit batty. I think, yeah, Janine, you could you could probably argue she's she's a wicked witch. I mean here's here's the thing. I've got this frozen at about second forty five of the minute. Look at their hair. It's yeah. practically identical. <laughs> That's something else I was going to say. Yeah, Angie and David had the same hair. They looked really mm-hmm. similar. They dressed the same. They were kind of like twins of each other. And I think, yeah, Dave and um, David and Janine definitely have that kind of twins going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see them swapping clothes. I could see. Oh, totally. I could see David running oh, around totally. in the little house. Look, I think he could pull that sure, off. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't want to see their bathroom. 
with just um, all the, the product and, and <laughs> sprays and, and hair things yep. on the counter spread out. They have to have like an extra breaker in that in that bathroom for like, you know, three hair dryers. Dryer. And like, yeah. You know. so, yeah, I love her hair too. It's, yeah, it's that is nineteen eighty two in a nutshell, that those that pair of hairstyles there for how sure. How do people have the time to make their hair that big? I just don't yeah. you'd have to spend hours, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Sleep yeah. upside down or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that back combing. We just don't have time. Yes. <laughs> I remember flipping my hair over, you know, yeah. flipping it over, back yeah. combing it and lots of aquanet. <laughs> yeah. You know? wow. <laughs> so uh the actress who plays janine june mm-hmm. chadwick june chadwick i have some memories of her f- not from spinal tap but from another piece of media from when i was a kid you guys remember the series v from the early v? 80s yep she played lydia the um yeah. the visitor uh commander who came to replace diana and um that was obviously such a blatant naked attempt to replicate the dynasty Crystal versus Alexis, blonde versus brunette thing. <laughs> ah, but with alien lizards, but exactly. With alien lizards, yeah. But that's a great pitch. I would watch the shit out of that. And I did. Like, yeah. Was fantastic, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's no. something you guys can speak on because I never watched V. Oh, you have to watch. I don't think it hasn't held up very well, no, really, has no. it? No, At I the mean, time. The, the, the concept is really great. So these aliens come to Earth. They look just like us. And they offer us peace and a cure for cancer and everything else. But they really just want to eat us. And oh um, yeah, it started off as a pair of miniseries on NBC and then became a very brief uh, 84, 85 series around the same time as A-Team and Riptide and all those other sort of action shows on NBC. But um, I remember it fondly because, again, when you're nine, ten years old, that kind of science fiction on network TV is like, yeah. Yeah, I love that show. Like in the days before action figures, I used to reenact V with my My Little Ponies. Nice. Uh, it was such a good show. It was such a big show. And you, are we, I'm allowed to tell them about your costume. No, no, um, we're not oh. going to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Mike, had a, Mike had a little Halloween costume that his mom made him as a soldier from V, and it's very cute and adorable. So yeah. I want everyone to picture that. Yeah. I, I'm great. picturing it now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that reminds me, it sounds like it's a riff off of that classic twilight zone episode yes. to serve to serve mm-hmm. man. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There was also a sort of very sort of heavy heavy-handed sort of Nazis becoming, you know, trying to make friends with the people they conquered kind of thing going on as well. It was, you know, again, it, you know, early 80s sci-fi. It's not going to be particularly complex. But but yeah, like uh, June Chadwick came in, I think, in the middle of the second season of the series and, and again, kind of was set up as this rival to the main evil uh, uh, alien leader. And uh, yeah, she was okay in it. She, she hasn't done a whole lot else. I mean, she's got a lot of guest appearances on TV, just looking quickly at her IMDb. But um, I mean, I think, I think she's probably, you know, she, she, the things that she has to do in this movie in Smile Tap, you know, you're right. They kind of adhere to that sort of um, rock star wife kind of, kind of stereotype. But I think she does a pretty good job. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially because, you know, we've talked about it, us here and, um, and Heidi and I have certainly mentioned this several times in previous episodes, the the real documentary feel that this film has. Yeah. And this is a really dangerous moment. This is the first new character we've, we've seen in a while, I think maybe since um, since Bobby Fleckman. But, in, you know, introducing a new character and particularly someone who's going to be hanging around and someone who's supposed to have an existing relationship with the members of the band. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a real delicate balance. And and I think she pulls it off the and the other actors do as well, that it doesn't 
for me at least, it didn't break the mood, it didn't break the feeling as far as the documentary nature of it to yeah. make it feel like this isn't an actress, this is this is David's wife or long-term girlfriend or, or whatever you want to call her showing up and, oh, there's a camera and, and what's going on. And, you know, David, once again, we, we've seen him before. We've seen the happy David before as he's springing down the aisle to meet her. And then we've seen a little bit of the unhappy Nigel before as well. Mm. And now we really see uh, surly Nigel. Uh, who's yeah. not happy about it. It's great the way they convey it. I mean, you know instantly what the deal mm -hmm. is, the way she just like sweeps in in the middle of the sound check. She doesn't care. She doesn't want to wait till the number's over. She's just going to walk <laughs> in. And David's oh, yeah. leaping off the stage like a little boy. And then Nigel's <laughs> doing his like bitch face in the background. Oh. <laughs> like, within like, say, like a few seconds, it completely establishes who all these characters are. Yeah. I think it says, um, I think I looked it up and I think Janine is supposed to be his second wife, which puts her squarely into the crone territory because I have to mm -hmm. imagine like his first first wife was maybe like the Cynthia Lennon who kind of stayed quietly in the background. Yeah, right. And so now, now we she's have the Yoko. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. love I don't like to diss Yoko because I think she's a great oh, artist she's great. and she's a really cool person. But yeah, Janine is In, is in that Yoko. era, it would be impossible for someone like her not to get a raw deal from those from those Beatles fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it would have been asking too much for them. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not asking too much. I mean, she's much, like, a, you know, a foreigner, a woman. Yep. So like, <laughs> a conceptual artist. I know, a conceptual artist, yeah. a musician. So, yeah, she's never going to be, like, smiling in the background of the photographs occasionally and... So are we meant to believe that Janine didn't know that there was a movie being made? I guess the... the, the... I think Janine would probably say, oh, I didn't know, but she totally knows. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's this? <laughs> well, yeah, so was she, you know, she's just, you know, she just got off a plane with multiple connections. She yes. flew from, <laughs> from London to New York and then somehow made her way out to Wisconsin and then in, the, in a taxi. Yeah. And then do you imagine she's ducking into the, the powder room? before she enters to be oh, presentable. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, certainly the hair doesn't look like she's been traveling for, you know, 12 hours or however long <laughs> it took her to get here. Although that hair would probably survive like a nuclear bomb blast. <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> enough hairspray on. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm It'd glad like you said. Mobule and some hair. Yes. yes. <laughs> you mentioned bitch face about Nigel and that's what I had in my head when this not this particular minute with Janine but I believe you know not it won't be long before we see her you know resting bitch face is like uh, <laughs> she's got a killer resting bitch face. Yeah it's like an epic battle back and forth between the two bitch faces with like David <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I, I also again re-watching this a few times for the for the podcast um Michael McKeon and June Chabak have some real chemistry here when they first see each other. It's Definitely. it's it's, it's yeah. not like yeah. they're it's not new relationship energy. It's not like they but like you can tell like they've been apart for a while and they're very excited to see each other and it's yeah. conveyed really well not just with the the flouncing in and the flouncing up but like the kiss that they share and like David looks so smug. He's like, "Yeah, I got my I got my lady here," you know, and like <laughs> And 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 likewise, Janine kind of like you know looks at the camera with that same sort of like oh what's this kind of thing. So. Oh, the, it's today. The filming's today. today. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, she's a tricky one. I like her. <laughs> Me too. And she's very beautiful woman. And it's so it's it's I enjoy seeing her at, play this role. And I mean, she looks straight out of the. Um, I remember being um, young and seeing different models. Their specific look of the 80s 
different looks come in and out of style as far as, I don't know, like face shapes and, of course, mm. hairstyles and things. But I, when I look at her, I could see her on the cover of a, a fashion magazine in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. She'd fit right in. And you know, very actually, that striking face shape way. is definitely right. I, I realize yeah. I said Stevie Nicks earlier, but she's kind of like a cross between Stevie Nicks and Christy McVie. Mm-hmm. She's got oh, the hair yeah. of Christy McVie and like the the face and wardrobe of Stevie Nicks. So it's like she she's all the she's the both the female members of Fleetwood Mac kind of smushed together. <laughs> and we know how how well things went between all those guys. <laughs> classic classic sort of relationships getting in the way of the band story there. Absolutely. Yeah. What does Derek so, say? What does Derek say? Visit his day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another classic Harry Shearer aside that you have to just strain to hear, right? <laughs> well, and I noticed too, like she says, "Got a surprise for you," and then after they hug, and they're just, um, you know, kicking back and looking at the cameraman, he's holding a Polaroid photo. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> So I'm wondering if that's the surprise, and if it is, what is it? What is Ooh. it? Yeah. <laughs> Explain to the younger members of, of your listening audience the significance <laughs> of a Polaroid in that well, context. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting, but it has a whole connotation that I think has been lost in the age of Instagram. Oh, let's make these pictures look like they came out of a family photo album. And then I do, no, Polaroids were used for many reasons in the 70s. <laughs> For reasons where you didn't want to take your uh, camera to the uh, to the uh, photo mat. <laughs> yes, private, very private. Yeah, I can only imagine. Maybe our maybe our listeners can chime in and let us know. You know, maybe there's an outtake here that describes. That. But if we can all get creative and think yeah. about what might be on that, just like, that sort of like what's in the briefcase, kind of. Oh, like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> what's in the box? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> A photograph of his soul would be fairly impressive, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what color do you think David's aura is? It's probably like gold, right? Gold, yeah. Yeah. Like a mighty lion. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a mighty lion. I bet you she probably gave them, before she did the zodiac signs, she probably did aura colors for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, Does she yeah, do any tarot readings? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's wearing his uh, Rydell High <laughs> Letterman jacket again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, just... You gotta love American things when you're from across the pond, you know? Yeah, I thought that was a pretty authentic touch because I remember sort of like in the late 80s, early 90s, I wanted a Letterman jacket so badly, mostly because I think of Michael Jackson wearing one in Thriller. Yeah. And I guess it took a few years to sort of trickle across fashion-wise, but that red and white Letterman jacket, I would have I would have killed for one of those. But of course <laughs> they didn't sell them no, in New Zealand. No, no. They barely sold clothes in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he makes quite an entrance. I, I, you know, kind of wish that you guys were going to be here for the next minute because this is something <laughs> yeah, else. You're, you're never going to yeah. know what he. Uh, what I he know. Has. I will never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's something exciting. Yeah, I'm kind of sad this is our only sort of only glimpse of Ian during the the minutes we're here because he's such a great character in this. Yeah, I mean, so many. He's another one where he just tosses off lines left and right that. So deadpan that, you know, it's a, the whole Boston not being a college town thing. Like, that's one of my <laughs> being a Bostonian and being someone with a college in Boston. That's one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. And, he, and he's 
I think he's literally walking away from the camera as he says that. Yeah. He's like yeah. looking back over his shoulder. Oh, it's not a big, you know, college town. Just, yeah, they, they because in, in real life, if people are being funny, you know, if they're not comedians, but they're doing something that's funny, but they don't know it's funny, they they do it naturally. Yeah. And and all the you know the the people in this document you know documentary they're they're acting naturally, yeah. and they just they throw these things away, and you've got to you've got to watch it minute by minute to uh, to pick them all up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So one one thing, uh, Jenny and Mike, one thing we've been asking our our guests throughout the show is. In addition to This Is Spinal Tap, are there any other rockumentaries, musical documentaries uh, of that sort that you would recommend to our audience? There's so many good ones. I mean, I think that's one of the things about Netflix the past couple of years is maybe the last like three or four years is that if you go to Netflix, they've just got so many great music documentaries on there. And mm-hmm. we, we've probably watched almost every single one of them. Um, <laughs> I mean, as far as like rewatchability and sort of like my personal favorite is one that I just most recently rewatched on Thanksgiving because it's kind of a Thanksgiving tradition is The Last Waltz yeah. um, by Martin Scorsese and the band. I mean, that one's just got such powerful performances. It, it th- There's, you know, there's some Spinal Tap-esque sort of interviews in, interspersed between the songs, but um, it's just it's just a great movie. The Wrecking Crew documentary that we watched um, about the the studio musicians in the 1960s in L.A. Yes. Um, God, just just such great stories and just the toll that a a touring life and a, and a gig life like that will have on someone. And I'm going to give you one more one more freebie. We watched um, the documentary about the um, the performer Orion, who is this sort of everybody thought he was Elvis after he died a sort of a right. yeah that one was kind of a sad story but just fascinating all the same so that one might still be on Netflix so check out Orion like the like the constellation it's a really interesting weird story yeah i think my i think my husband watched that one and i love that wrecking crew one because beyond beyond the music like being a fan of all that music i liked how how much we got to see them talking more uh, as later. What, what am I trying to say? Not at this moment, because I can't remember exactly when, when those interviews, I believe there's interviews with them more um, later on as uh, I guess, later adults. What am I trying to say? Older like, folks. Like they're out of the business or they're, mm, yeah. they're not. Yeah. They're, they're, they're retrospecting sort of on their careers. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed seeing them then you know i love i love old footage but seeing seeing people where they are now i really enjoyed too seeing them all get back together yeah i I like that too i think it's kind of it's fun seeing them getting the band back together yeah (laughs) (laughs) what about you jenny there's like a couple that i definitely recommend i'd say danny says which we went and saw in in Boston. There was like a the Gay and Lesbian Film Festival, and it's about a documentary about Danny Fields. Um, okay. He kind of started off in with like the Warhol crowd, and he ended up working with the Ramones and um, all those cool people from that era. The Ramones, mm-hmm. Lou Reed, he yeah. kind of like Jim Morrison, and it's kind of a documentary of his life, his kind of like ascent and descent, and it has a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. Um, it's really, really well put together, sort of like some really good sort of juicy sort of rock gossip and really sort of like touching as well. 
Um, I'd say that was like my serious, you should go and see this. The one I think everyone should watch if they want to watch the completely batshit is like um, Moonwalker, the Michael Jackson. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like, if I was going to do another minute by minute, I would like <laughs> definitely do one for Moonwalker because I first watched it when I was a kid and like Michael Jackson was really huge because it was the 80s and I got the, the DVD. Not the DVD. It would have been a VHS, VHS in those yeah. days. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to rewatch this as an adult because I remember enjoying it. The whole thing is demented. It's amazing. <laughs> it kind of like he turns into a giant robot. He fights Joe Pesci, who's like a gangster who's trying to get children wow. to take drugs. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He turns into a flying car. It's just the most batch. It starts off with like a really good documentary sequence. And you think, wow, this is actually going to be really sort of like insightful and interesting. And then it goes completely off the rails, but it's worth watching and it's amazing. So. In case you I'm, hadn't. I'm sold. I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in this all <laughs> <Yeah>. of a sudden. <laughs> in case you hadn't noticed from, from the whole shebang, uh, Jenny really loves things that might be considered a little bit campy, uh, <laughs> no. a little bit. The the tragically ludicrous, the ludicrously tragic, like John Waters said in that Simpsons yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so either of those I would say check out. <laughs> cool. Yeah, great. those sound great. Awesome. Well, I hate to leave on this cliffhanger of this box of magic, <laughs> but... What's in the box? I know. Is there anything else before we wrap up the week here, uh, episode 35? Nothing else but to say thank you, Heidi and Sean, for having us yeah, on. Yeah, uh, This had has so been much so fun. much fun. Yeah. And yeah, thank fun. you guys for, for coming by. This has yeah. been, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. It's been great. I can't wait to listen to the, the rest of the episodes. Yeah. Find out what's in that box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, awesome so yeah thank thank you guys so much for for joining us and um yeah stay tuned everybody we've got some fun minutes some fun guests more awesome guests and uh yeah we hope you'll come back next week and join us and until then i'll just um remind everybody you can yeah go over to spinaltapminute.com and connect with us through there you can find um, all sorts of uh, videos and links and things to um, stuff that we've mentioned like uh, these different documentaries and such and maybe where you can where you can find them or buy them or download them and all that jazz and uh, yeah, that's and about it links to all those things are on the website at spinaltapminute.com so swing on by and if uh, if the folks want to learn more about you, Mike and Jenny, is there a website where they could do that? There absolutely is. Uh, you can find our podcast, The Whole Shebang, the minute-by-minute look at the film Velvet Goldmine uh, on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also find us on our website, thewholeshebangpodcast.com. And feel free to friend us on Twitter at Whole Shebang Pod. All right. All right. Cool. Well, that was certainly a very... Uh, a musically satisfying week, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> so everyone uh, kick back, relax, check out the website, have a good weekend. And until next time, and so say all of us, tap, tap, tap into, into America! America.